Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1393. Today on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the inaugural Las Vegas Concorde Elegance that takes place on October 25th through the 28th at the Dragon Ridge Country Club in Henderson, Nevada, just south of Las Vegas. To learn more about this spectacular new event, go to LasVegasConcord.com. Your life is the result of consequences, and consequences are the results of decisions. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest. Calling in from Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, Paul Sable. Hey, Paul, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready, my man. Okay, here we go. Dr. Paul Sable is an automotive historian, an author, a fervent collector of hybrid cars of the 1950s, a guy who claims he's on his last restoration, a 1955 Debonair. He is the co-founder of the Concord of the Eastern United States, and more recently, a founder of the Elegance at Hershey. He is also an advisor to numerous Concord events and is judged at most every well-known Concord around the country, including Pebble Beach for the last 17 years. He has served as an advisor to a number of individuals for their collections and authored writings for Automobile Quarterly, Automotive History Review, and a number of automotive magazines. Paul is on the advising panel of a number of antique car price guides, including NADA and Cars That Matter. He will be the honorary chief judge at the inaugural Las Vegas Concord that takes place very soon here, October 25th through the 28th. So, Paul, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your massive history and life around cars. Could you take a brief moment and share just a little bit more before I jump into the questions about your life and a very obvious passion for old automobiles? No problem. I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and basically went to some uh, local high schools and university up in Scranton. Uh, from there, kind of just uh, went into actually higher education. Uh, I started out at the age of 23 as a president, actually, of a uh, proprietary school and built that up to maybe 600, 700 students and degree granting. And then from where there, went to actually a four-year institution and became a dean of a college there. And then, um, actually, I kind of reversed. I went from a president of an institution to a dean of an institution. And then about uh, 
30 years ago, I decided that faculty have a good gig, and they became a faculty member. So I was a faculty member for about uh, 20-some years and an administrator for 20-some years, so about 50 years in higher education. I've always loved cars. I basically grew up in them. I loved custom cars back there in the 50s and 60s, then got into kind of drag racing and drag raced up until 1986, and then started kind of just collecting weird and unusual cars of the 50s. And that's where I am, and I started at Concours, and ever since then I've been judging at Concours and now retired. I'm living up at Jim Thorpe and enjoying life. Yeah, no doubt. And you told me in our pre-show chat, you and I have a mutual friend, another guy who likes odd cars. What's his name? His name is Lou Carvel. Yes, Lou, definitely. Yeah, de- very interesting guy. Uh, you can go back and find him here on the Cars Yeah podcast. Very cool. Well, Paul, as we continue on this journey we call your automotive life, I like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Paul, take the wheel. Okay, it's not basically a car um, comment or anything like that, but my favorite saying, I guess, which I always told my students, it's probably the most important thing I'm going to say in in this particular uh, course I was teaching, and that was that life is the result of consequences. Your life is the result of consequences, and consequences are the results of decisions. So the decisions that you make in your life end up to be your life. That was my comment to them, and I use so oftenly sometimes when I was either talking to them or learning more about them or they had a problem and so forth, uh, going back to that quote just was kind of interesting. And in, in my life, too, I think that we all make decisions, and those decisions result in what we end up with. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a great thing, especially for young people to hear, because sometimes you, you listen to people talk about, well... You know, I can't do this because of someone else or this happened because of someone else. And (laughs) it's great to stop and remind, especially younger people, know what? You have the option of making a decision to change this situation. And sometimes people don't even know they have that that option. Correct? No, you're right. I I think they uh, sometimes they don't know they have the option. I think some people who are maybe down and out or or has you know have difficulties and so forth. You know, I mean, if you give them hope and and know you know that that's good and um, almost like you can be anything you want to be, and uh, that thing. And the other thing I think that if people just had goals, I think so many of us don't have goals. And if you have goals, that subconsciously and consciously drives your actions. So I think that is uh, what I think life is all about, which I tell my son. I have a 30-year-old son, which we adopted 25 years ago from Russia. So he's uh, only 30. I'm 74. So I'm kind of, uh, most people think I'm his grandfather or maybe great-grandfather, but I'm not. I'm his father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that's awesome. My daughter's 30. I've got a 25-year-old son and uh, nothing better than, than children who have uh, figured it out and made their own way in life and make those good decisions and set those goals and achieve those goals. But that's the other key thing you dropped for us here is is creating goals and finding ways to reach those goals. And so often I talk to people, and again, I don't want to pick on young people, but I will a little bit here, and I'll say, well, what do you want to do? What's your goal? And they don't know. And that's the first step. You've got to figure that out. I told a, a young man once, I said, look, if you can't figure out what your passion is, go to a grocery store, stand in front of the magazine rack, and see which magazine you pick up first. 
that might give you a clue. He actually came back to me and said, you're right. I picked up the boat magazine. I didn't realize it, but I love boats. And I said, well, there you go. There's a start. So there's all sorts of a, there's a huge world in the boat world for you waiting for you to take advantage of it. Just that, make the right and, decisions. And I, and I think one thing I'd just like to share with everybody is that if they ever get a chance to read the um, graduation speech that Steve Jobs gave at Stanford uh, University, yeah. they have to read that. That is excellent, and it, it, it says a lot. It says a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great one. The other one is a graduation uh, commentary from Arnold Schwarzenegger about setting goals and uh, achieving goals in your life and so forth. Another one that's very good. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here, Paul. I want to hear a story from you that instigated this passion you have for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were going to be a car guy? No, not really. Uh, not really. I, I think, um, actually, I look at that sometimes and, and say, you know, why am I this way? And um, <laughs> my father was into cars. He just liked cars. He didn't work on them or didn't collect them or anything. I, I still have a toy. I, I have a toy that my my father gave to me. Or my, I don't know. I'm, they have it. Uh, it must have been handed down from their kids. It's a kind of a wrought iron or a basically a cast iron car with a guy in it and so forth. And um, that was the thing I remember. For some odd reason, I always go back to that and remember that. And then, you know, from there, it was just being in an area where we, there were a lot of car guys. And so I became came a car nut. <laughs> well, like, like all of us. You know, I have one of those little cast iron cars. It was my dad's. He got when he was a little boy in the the mid late thirties. Yeah, and that probably the same one. It's a, yeah, it's a picture of like a race car with little portholes in in the side, and the guy's head you know sticking up. Yeah, that's that's the same one. Yeah, I think they probably made a whole million of those or something like that. But well, uh, they did, and you can buy a repop one now. So if you see any any rivets or screws in them, they're repops. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm pretty sure my grandmother gave me this. Uh, she told me this was something that my dad played with when he was a little boy. So uh, yeah. I, I'll have to go dig that out. I got that somewhere. But uh, yeah, sounds like you guys had the same thing. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, Paul. I'd love for you to share a big challenge or a big failure that you faced in your life. And the reason I ask you this question is what was the learning lesson here so that you could come out on a positive end of this experience that maybe wasn't so much fun? Okay, I think what happened is that I was given a great opportunity at the age of 23 to do well. I mean, and, you know, and I wasn't a good student at all. In fact, I graduated with a 2.009 and had to go to summer school. So I actually didn't have to, I didn't graduate with my class. So I, I was a kind of a feeling that I wasn't going to be successful and so forth. Uh, the president of a company I worked for just gave me uh, something which I never thought he would. He passed me over two other two thousand other people. What he saw in me, I do not know. And he put me in charge of a proprietary school. And to be honest, with you given that chance and and the fact that I wanted to be a success, I spent seven years and really working twelve, fourteen hours a day. You know, just basically, and I was single at the time, building that school up to where basically it was what it was, and it was a success. At that point, a new president came in. I got a new boss, and uh, him and I did not get along together. And at age 29 or 30, he basically said, see you, pal. And he asked me to resign. I wouldn't resign, so he had to fire me, and that was fine. But putting all that time and effort and probably your best years of your life, okay, 
I just felt real bad about it. And so I, and at that time, I, know, I had a degree. I had a lot of experience in that stuff. And I did luckily get a job at a, a four-year college at that time, but it was hard. So what I learned from that is that you have to have insurance, okay? And I'll hate to say this because you'll probably, you'll probably delete it from the thing. It was called <laughs> FU insurance. And that insurance, <laughs> I'm sorry, that insurance was like, just have a backup. And from that point yeah. on, I went to get my master's degree. I went to get a doctorate degree. And I went to get another second, second doctorate degree. One in education and one in business, meaning I would have a business degree, an education degree, and marketing degree. And I opened up my own business, which was asset team management, but it became very successful. It was a garage, car garage, uh, up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, my hometown. And it was run by two friends of mine, and it became pretty successful in, in that sense. So put it, after that, basically, I had income coming in that was not my regular pay. Um, I had education and credentials. If I lost my job, I could go someplace and get another job. So, yeah. And I picked marketing as well because there are many jobs where your success is dependent upon the job market. But but it's probably you know and other people know, marketing and sales, if you're good at it, you'll never have to worry about a, a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a great story of, of a troubled time and made successful. And you, you dropped a really good golden nugget there for those listening, especially maybe young people, is have a lot of backups. Always be thinking ahead down the road because whatever you're doing is not going to be forever and probably shouldn't be forever. But you just never know when someone might pull the rug out from under you for not even your own fault. And if you don't have things prepared, if you haven't saved money for a few months off or you're not getting an income, uh, it doesn't give you too many options. So great story, Paul. Uh, obviously, but, you were way smarter than your GPA when you came out of school. That, that, that's true. Yes, and I got all A's in all my graduate and, under, and graduate and doctorate classes. So it was just basically me, I think, just myself and maybe having too much cars. And while I was going to college, also, I was into model cars. I was pretty big into making model cars. And I ended up uh, writing for a magazine called Car Model Magazine. So, and that was part of me too, is that car model magazine and Auto World. I worked for Auto World, which was a car, basically a uh, milling for, for cars, you know what I mean, for model cars. So, cars made me, and um, so that, that's good. And, and But that was the thing. And I guess the one other thing I'd like to share with you is the fact of not only having a, a backup too and, and, and having goals, okay, but just in today's market, it's much different. Most people, when I was growing up, they'd work for AT&T for, you know, for 40 years, get the watch and, and retire. Uh, the market is entirely different right now. And I tell these people, we're used to have maybe one or two three jobs or careers, you're going to have more three or four or five careers and many, many different jobs. And I, I think I made it and I'm a little lengthy here, but students would ask me at one point, what would you suggest I do? And I would always tell them, go to work with a small company, be a big fish, in a, you know, in a small pond. But right today, you know, I can't say that. Students would ask me now and all I would say to them is saying, you put yourself as you're working for someone. You advance your goals and try to advance the company goals at the same time. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm finished that lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Professor. Thank you very much. Well, you know, I, I think it's great advice, and it is a very different time now. And I think back to you know, I've I've worked probably three careers in my life, and you know, I look at my kids now who 
uh, are on a kind of a different track. And you see that, and that's just the way it is. And that's that's not bad. It's a good thing. In fact, in many ways, I think it's probably a better thing because you get to do a lot of different things in your life, which life should be full of a lot of different things. So uh, there you go. Go out there and grab uh, the ring. Let's have a little bit of fun. I'd love for you to talk about your first really special car. Now, you've collected some very odd and unique cars, but I wanted you to talk about the first car that came into your life that had great meaning. The first car that came in my life was probably my my first car, which I bought or my grandmother bought for me, and that was a 1954 Chevrolet 210 sedan. I still have it. Um, it went through the, the, the being a, a regular car. Shortly, it then had spinners on it, and then basically some other stuff, and nose it and deck it and custom. Um, then when I started racing, it became a race car with big ladder bars underneath it, and I drag race it. You know, I mean, you know, Indy and nationals, summer nationals, Ohio nationals. And then from then, um, when I was growing up, I became older. I had regular cars. Then what happened, I made it into a street rod. I had a big block Chevy in it. And um, let's just say right now it has a small block with a 10 I forget the transmission, a five-speed transmission in it. Yeah. And I still have it, so it's uh, the same car, wow. and um, that so that that has been with me all my life, and I guess it is part of me. And after yeah. that, I get my first car, which I bought as an antique, was a 1949 Hudson Step Down. So, wow. and I did probably buy bought that when I was about uh, 25 or 26. Man, that well, that Chevy has been through a lot of variations. That's incredible. Not only that you still have it, but the fact that it has evolved with your tastes over the years. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, and the fact that it's still in your garage is really sweet as well. Plus, your grandmother, the the piece of it that, re- that revolves yeah. around that is pretty special, too. Do you have a seller's remorse story for us, a car you've let go that you really wish you had back? I think it's a Fossil Vega. The first car I Ooh. bought, which was not like a 49, you know, on Hudson, then I bought a 36 Dodge and that stuff. I put, to put an advertisement out for a T-Bird. I wanted a, a, a Thunderbird. Guy called me up and said, I don't have a Thunderbird, but I have a small sports car. And I said, what time was it? What kind of it? He said, a Fossil Vega. And I didn't know what it was. I said, well, can I look at it? Now, I looked at it. It was really cool. Uh, they were made in France, uh, and they were imported into the U.S., and they had a Chrysler engine in it. Yeah. So seeing this small car, Fossil Vega, looked at looked sporty and had a lot of uh, wood in the, in the interior and that stuff. Yeah. I just ended uh, power with the, with a torque flight or a power flight. I just said fine, so I bought it and restored it, and just then said I like this. It's a very unusual car. No one knew what they were, and it was called an uh, FVS, which you know, again Fossil Metallia, and you know it was the company who built it. So yeah. it was a big engine, but it was a heavy car, and, and it sounded real neat, but it was a, probably much of a pig if it was you know for for performance. Well, I tell you, when I was a little boy, there was a man that lived a two blocks away. He was a very interesting guy, kind of a kind of a hippie kind of guy. Now, this was the 60s, so I must have been nine, ten years old. And a friend of mine took me down because he said, this guy has a really rare car in his garage. And it was a gray metallic Fossil Vega with a red interior. I remember yep. that. I remember and that. I remember, I remember going, what is this thing? And he goes, well, you guys want to go for a ride? And he took us for a ride in the thing. And it, was, it made a lot of noise. and. You know, big puffy seats and stuff. And uh, fast forward to a good friend of mine here in Gig Harbor, Brian Canfield. Uh, Shout out to him. He's a major lover of Faso Vegas. Very unique cars. A very interesting combination of American 
power and uh, French design. I mean, just yep. very, very different. Yeah, very cool. And I guess from there, you know, I got an interest in those cars, and then I, I believe I bought a uh, Nash Healey, and then I, I, I bought a Hudson Italia, which is a very rare car. They made 25 of them, wow. and the Kaiser Darren. So basically, I started, you know, involved with those hybrid cars, um, and I guess be, they're all hyphenated, so pe- some people used to call me the hyphenated guy. I have a car, <laughs> but and I just enjoy those types of cars, and to be honest with you, I, I'm glad I did, because... I didn't know know that at the time, but they they then become pretty good investments uh, when you yeah. have some kind of rare limited production cars. Yeah, the hyphenator. That's Paul. Well, let's <laughs> t- let's talk about this inaugural Las Vegas Concord that's coming up here, October twenty fifth through the twenty eighth. You're the honorary chief judge. Of course, I had Stewart on the show Monday, and Dr. was Tuesday. Ed Gilbertson was yesterday. Now we're talking to you. What is what has you excited about this new Concord? I'm excited about it for for a couple of reasons. One, there's a there's a number of concours across the country, as you know. Uh, there used to be three or four. Now there's almost one every week. At least some shows just call themselves concours. But to be concours, I think you have to be selective and have a good diversity of, of cars. So a number of these concours have started. Um, some succeeded. Some did not succeed. More did not, not succeed. And uh, Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, St. John's, Hilton Head, though they're still around. And uh, so when they want to start one, I'm always kind of leery because they don't make it sometimes. Like they don't make it because they don't realize the cost of putting one on. They don't realize the, um, the coordination and communication it takes. Uh, they think it's, uh, could be very profitable. A whole bunch of reasons. When the steward came to me, first of all, I caught a passion. And, and as you probably know, and I know in today, someone with the passion is someone who has a little extra and he had the yeah. passion. Oh, yeah. Um, second, I, th- I think, uh, he had the resources to pull it off, um, but I still worried him. I still worried in that stuff, and I challenged him sometimes. He asked me to be involved. I said, you know, there's too many of them. I'll help you if you want. But he said, well, what, what would really sell you that I could do this? I said, listen, if you could get these three cars to your show, I said, um, and all three of them are from big collectors in that area, I said, I'm on. I'm on. That means, you know, now I knew it would be hard to do. I knew he would have to do it. And to be honest with you, within a week and a half, those three cars, which will be on the field, the Phantom Corsair, uh, the um, another French car that um, a collector up in New- uh, up in uh, California has, mm-hmm. the Xenia is called, oh, and yeah. another car, and, they, and the Delahaye. And they were the cars that I wanted, exactly. And and basically, they will be there. So uh, yeah. when I heard that, I, I said, this guy has contacts. This guy wants to do it, and he has the resources. So I said, you know, I'm on. And when he asked uh, the chief judge, John Carlson, I work with him a lot. And so John said, you know, would you be the honorary? I said, I would gladly do it. So that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's how it came about. And I'm amazed. I just sent, uh, in fact, Stuart a letter today. He sent me all the cars and their classes, and I said, well done. I'm saying yeah. I am very impressed with the classes and cars that you have. It's because of the effort that you put into it. So yeah. we're still talking, and uh, he's done a great job, and I think it'll be a great show. It'll be a show that um, will reflect, let's just say, a lot of excellent 
pre-war cars, a lot of post-war, and there's even some supercars. So it'll be a diverse field. And some of those wow cars, I call them wow cars, okay? Mm -hmm. People are going to come back and say, tell their friends that they saw those cars at this show. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And for those of you who missed my talk with Stuart on Monday, go back and listen to that. And he talks about some of these cars, over 200 fabulous cars in a spectacular venue. Uh, Check out the website. That's where you get tickets. And, you know, Las Vegas, there's lots of stuff to do there. Uh, take your spouse, even if your spouse is not into cars or significant other or kids, whoever, take a buddy uh, and go to the Las Vegas Concord Elegance. Just check it out on their website. Paul, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom for that you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor chris kimball cfp is just the man for the job he'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy for over 25 years chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Paul, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you today. I'm going to get into your head a little bit. Uh-oh. If you woke up tomorrow, yeah, scary place, right? <laughs> if you woke yeah. up tomorrow, I'm pulling your leg. If you right. woke up tomorrow and you were a car, manifested as a car, what would Paul be and why? I think I would be a, a car that I do have, in fact, uh, is a Citroen SM, okay? Ooh, okay. Why weird-looking, different-looking Engineering is very, very well thought out. 
if you look at one right now, you could say you could actually think it's a brand new car, okay? But you know, designed out, and I, and I think the fact that it's unusual, uh, it's iconoclastic in many ways, in the sense that it looks kind of cool. Not that I'm a cool looker, believe me. At 74, <laughs> okay, overweight, and you know, and everything else, I'm not. But the car is, and and I think that people would say, yep. When I got that car, they said you always heard about the rumors about these S Citroen. I said I know all about them. I said. I said, but, you know, it's me, I'm saying. People would expect me to be driving around in this car. (laughs) There you go. Well thought through. All right, Paul, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that Citroen throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Don't buy any cars with any rust. (laughs) Ah, yes, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, buy one somebody else has paid to have all that stuff fit. You got that right. You got that right. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I think I'm basically, I'm type A, but I think the success is the fact that I'm always looking for different things. I mean, even right now at 74, I'm looking to get into some other new area or field of or, or interest area just to challenge myself and to, and keep my enthusiasm up and, and get more goals. Yeah, there you go. Very important at any age. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? No. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, I, I don't got any of those. <laughs> yeah. That's no, an honest answer. <laughs> actually, I subscribe to over 50 publications. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the print, um, you know, the, the paper alive. people. And, but I, I just, I'm a very, very, you know, reader of reading from anywhere from areas of, of expertise and discipline to cars to uh, music and so forth. So I'm just kind of out there. And no, I, yeah. I don't have any one resource. Well, let me, uh, let me, I'll push you a little bit so we can put something there out there. Would it be something? like Hemmings or do you like Sports Car Market Magazine? Because you mentioned uh, publications. Yeah, I can, uh, yeah. Actually, I get I think it's 12 now or 15 automotive or related magazines like Garage or Automobilia or whatever. Um, but, but the, yeah, the one I look forward to and I, I, and I don't put that down to, to read 10 weeks now or that stuff is Sports Car Market. I, I like Sports Car Market. I think Keith has done a great job with that. I also get the American Collector, which is also they publish, but I like Sports Car Market. It's, yeah. uh, it's just timely. It, it tells you what the market is. Uh, not that I'm a buyer and seller or basically a dealer and so forth, but I know the cars and uh, I like it. And I like to see what is happening, what changes are, are happening in the market and also with the hobby. Absolutely. And a shout out there to my good friend, Keith Martin. He's coming back very strong from a stroke earlier this year. We're going to finally, I think, very soon see him back on the lawn. Uh, emceeing some events there. So shout out to you, Keith, for this uh, very cool recovery. I know you've done a lot of hard work. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? The kind of a name that you probably never heard of. His name is Vince Gardner. I'm an interest of having an interest in, in individuals who had a impact or had a some kind of a uh, let's just say importance in the automotive industry or car industry, but never got recognition for it, okay? And Vince Gardner is one of them. He was a designer. 
I mean, people would, if they, if they, um, let's just say Google him, if they call you, if they call it that and that stuff, they will find out that some of his cars were great. And he was a great designer. And again, you know, guys like that who could tell you more about what's happened in the fifties and sixties could, you could, you know, he could explain to you, you know, his philosophies and his design and, and you know, areas and that stuff. So that's the guy, Vince Gardner. I, I know it's a name that you may or may not have heard, but, um, you can Google him if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Vincent E. Gardner, he was a designer at GM's Fisher Body Craftsman Guild, and he was responsible for cars like the uh, 47 Studebaker, I believe. Yeah, uh, if my mem- if, yeah, my yep. memory's right. Um, and some other very unique cars, the 56 Studebaker, I believe, and there's the Lincoln Continental in 56, and uh, he worked uh, in a lot of different things. Interesting guy. It's funny you mention him because... I just had a guest on the show and promoted a very cool book titled Imagine. It's by Patrick. I just ordered it. Shelley. $90. Did you? From, yep, I just yeah. ordered it from Mr. Pastiner, Steve Pastiner yes. of Automotive Books up in Detroit. I just ordered it, and uh, I didn't get it yet, naturally, but I don't know if he's mentioning that, but I hope he is. You're going to love this book. It's absolutely brilliant. It's fantastic. Awesome book. Uh, I'll, I'll remind listeners again, go back and listen to Patrick Kelly's talk with me. And uh, this book is a book you should buy for your car buddies for the holiday season. Uh, it's really, really cool. Speaking of books, uh, there's that book, of course, Imagine by Patrick Kelly. Is there another book you'd like to recommend? Um, no, I, again, my, if people come to my office right now, I have about 400 automotive books here. Okay. <laughs> and I, and, and to be honest with you, I just moved to a new, I just built in my vacation or my, my retirement house here. And I found out something. I had, uh, about 25 duplicate books. And we're talking sometimes books that cost three or $400. Now I get the $10 ones. So I get the $400 ones. But my point is I buy these books and for the last 20, 25 years, I'm saying, I'm going to read this when I retire. Well, I'm retired three years yeah. and I've only read about two of them, but I look here and I'm looking, wow, I got to read that two, you know, the five inch thick fossil yeah. Vega book or the 2900 alpha book. So yeah. let's just say I have a lot of books here and I have not read them, but I will read them. I hope. Yeah, Paul, <laughs> you better get to work on that. You know, I've done the same thing. I've got hundreds of books and I've thought the same thing. I'm so busy. I don't get to enjoy them all. <laughs> right. And I get sent a lot of books because I have a lot of authors on the show here. But I'm going to yeah, do my best when I get to that point where maybe I slow down a little bit and I can sit down and enjoy these books. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna tell you, just try one a month. Start with that. Set a goal of one a month, and maybe you can tackle that and pick the one you like the best first. And then no, you're, you you're right about that. And I I, I got to do that. I really got to do that. And, yeah. and I'm hoping to do that. I really am. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just saving them for the next guy. People come in here and they say, wow, you must have a lot of knowledge. And I don't tell them that I didn't read more than, <laughs> yeah. you know, 90. I didn't read 90% of them. But anyway, they're here and they're, they'll be waiting for me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, we're up to the checkered flag here, Paul. This last question could be a bit of a doozy. But it's kind of a fun thought. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. Doesn't matter who owns it or where it is. I'm going to park it in your garage. But there are some rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens. But here's a kicker. It's the only one collector car you can have. What's it going to be? I think for beauty and maybe for recognition, it would be an Alfa Romeo 2900. Okay. Okay. 
They're great. They're great cars. And in fact, uh, uh, I've been the chief judge or honorary chief judge over 90 times in the last 20 some years. And what I usually do is sometimes when I have a, a, a bunch of people or let's say a group of 20 or 30 judges, I'll ask them what was the car that they would lust for or would like to have. The same as you just told me. Okay. Yeah. And they all, they, they're all around the place, but to be honest with you, that Alfa Romeo 2900 seems to be the, let's just say the most popular one. And I'm most yeah. popular. Might be 100%, but let's just say if even 25% of people mention that, that's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, you're talking about like the 8C, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful car and so many beautiful variations of those cars. Of course, we've seen those cars win on the lawn of Pebble and Amelia and all sorts of other Concours events. Yeah, if you're not familiar with that car, listeners, uh, Google it. Alfa Romeo 8C 2900. Uh, the B, I believe it was, uh, Ber- uh, Luco Berlinetta, uh, incredible cars. They're just magnificent, fantastic. I've had the pleasure of riding in one and, uh, it's a joy. I'm going to throw a left hand one to you too. I'm going to tell you oh, another okay. car that, if another car I would want, it would be the Phantom, Phantom Corsair. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and that car will be, they'll be at, the Las Vegas show. That was the car that I would lust us after, and uh, but it's too big for a garage, and it's kind of very unusual, and it's the 39. But anyway, the Phantom Corsair, so they yeah. can see it at yeah. the Las Vegas concourse. There you go, and that's where you should go, listeners. Well, Paul, you've taken me on a great ride today. This has been really fun. Thanks for uh, calling in this evening and sharing your journey with me. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that beautiful Alpha HC. Not really. Uh, yeah, I get it. As a man here, I guess if it, it's something here. I uh, one of my favorite books of all times is called a uh, book maybe out there thirty years ago called Seasons of a Man's Life. I think the guy's name was Daniel Levinson who did it. And let's just say um, I still go back to that book. And when I was twenty, to see what the thirties is going to look like, when the thirties, the forties, forties, fifties, and so forth. And I just like that book. And I think any um, boomer or anybody young male, unfortunately, because it's called Seasons of a Man's Life, would be nice to glance through. So I'm not selling it, okay? <laughs> As a marketing or let's just say a used car dealer or whatever. Um, but basically, I think that's a good book. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find all these great links on Paul's show notes page. And definitely check out the LasVegasConcord.com if you have a chance to get to this event. It's going to be well worth it. You'll get to see Paul there. All the other guests from this week, it's going to be fantastic. Paul, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Las Vegas Concours d'Elegance. I hope you are there, and definitely let's get together, okay? There you go. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!